When you have a mental illness, it can be extremely hard to define success or to even recognize success when it happens. But it's important to do that. I want to talk today about lazy or exhausted. It's very easy to see yourself as one way. And then you turn the tables a little bit and you can see the situation in a completely different light. I'm going to share an experience that I've had over the last couple of days, and uh, we're going to get into it. This is Shattered the Podcast. Let's go. Welcome to Shattered the Podcast. Sharing the lived experience of mental illness on a father, a mother, a family. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I find that with mental illness, I live with a constant, or I live in a constant state of failure. I constantly feel like I'm failing. I'm not getting anything right. I'm I'm unable to do X, Y, and Z. So that means that I'm hopeless. That means that I'm a failure. And I know a lot of other people feel the same way. And it's it's interesting when you finally tie that feeling down because you get this sense of unease when you first get a mental illness and and you know it's hard to define what you're feeling it's hard to define uh, what's happening to you and what your mind is telling you i learned very quickly that i was extremely disappointed in myself before mental illness before the day i was attacked and uh i had my straw that breaks the camel's back moment, uh, I was a bundle of energy. I could do anything and everything and nothing was too hard. I could go do eight hours at work and then I could go do a couple of hours surfing and I'd come home, hang out with my wife, cook dinner, get up in the morning and do it all again. And my life and people that know me know that I was a bit of a whirlwind. I would just come and cause a storm and then go away. It's just I had a lot of energy. I was able to do a lot of things. Somebody wants to move house. Bang, I'm there. Cool, let's go do it. Great, that was fantastic. Why don't we go for a surf afterwards? Yeah, go, 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 go. Then came my mental illness. And all of a sudden, I couldn't handle anything at all. And I became what I thought was lazy. I honestly thought I was just lazy now. Somehow I'd gotten hurt and I'd become lazy. And I hadn't. And it took me years to work it out that I wasn't lazy. I was just mentally exhausted. I was in getting my back checked the other day and the chiropractor went in to this great story about how mental health and physical health are combined. If you have a bad back, your mental health will be worse. If you have mental health, your bad back will be worse. And he tried to explain it to me like I was a two-year-old. But I made that connection years ago. Any kind of physical pain is exacerbated by mental illness. But when you aren't able to define that, and you aren't able to define your own behavior, and you can't see a pattern in it because you're standing too close to it, it looks for all intents and purposes, like laziness. Now, I know that members of my extended family have thought that I am lazy 
all of a sudden I went from this guy that was working full time, uh, was doing all the things that I needed to do, and then something happened, I was injured, but it didn't matter because he picked himself back up and then he went back to another job because he couldn't do the first job and he was earning a full-time wage again and he was still a productive member of society. But then I had my breakdown, which is after my injury, about four or five years after. And a lot of things became very, very clear to me in that breakdown that actually ended up in uh, a suicide attempt. It was that I could not mentally and physically handle the activity that I was able to handle pre-injury. I realized that when I went to work, I quite literally only had two or three good hours, hours where I could be productive and I could get my job done, and uh, it was good. But the problem in the public service is nobody ever leaves you alone for three hours so it was constantly like oh we're going to have a morning tea and people are like well okay we'll just take a break well when you've got a mental illness you're not taking a break to to go to morning tea that's another struggle that you have to go through and as much as you're uh exhausted and working hard just sitting in the building then everybody wants to talk to you and you have to act normal in front of them then you come back to your desk and you're supposed to pick up where you left off before. But now I've only got an hour left and people don't understand why I get so quiet in the afternoons, why it's so hard for me to uh, be uh, engaged in the afternoons because I'm barely hanging on. I've got a smile on my face. Nobody knows that I'm struggling. But inside, I'm just mentally and physically exhausted and I would get home and my wife would know. She's she'd just like, he's had a bad day. He can't even do anything more than just say hi, give me a quick cuddle and then he just retreats to his chair because he's just exhausted. Now, my breakdown came about because I ignored that exhaustion. I saw it as being lazy. Why, after doing an eight-hour day at work or you've been in meetings where you've had to talk to people all day, why can't you come home and interact with your children who are so much more important than your work? It's because I was exhausted. After my breakdown, all the jobs that me and my wife look for, it's got to be part-time. Hopefully not full days. The perfect job came up for me. Working in radio, doing a drive-time radio show. Needing to be engaged for about three hours in an afternoon, plus the prep. I loved it because I was completely mindful. On radio, you don't have time to think about anything except the, the seconds counting down towards the top of the hour. So as far as mindfulness goes, it was amazing for me. And I felt like I could be myself when I was on air. I felt like myself. I feel like myself now because <laughs> I'm just, I'm in the moment. When you're in the moment, you start to, start to lie to yourself and you start to think, well, maybe, maybe I'm better. Maybe I'm not as broken as I thought. 
Imagine you had a broken leg. You get the cast off. The doctor says, don't walk on it too much. Just go slow for the first week. You decide to go out and parkour five minutes after getting your cast off. You're going to be back in the cast within another five minutes. It's like that with your mental health. You get to a place where you're feeling confident. You're feeling like, yeah, I'm back to normal. Let me do my normal things and fail. And in my mind, I saw that as laziness. You are just so lazy now. You are pathetic. You are hopeless. You are stupid. Why are you so lazy? I don't recognize you. Now, fast forward to just last week, and my wife actually pointed it out to me. So I was volunteering for the organization that I volunteer with, going to schools and, and deliver mental illness awareness stuff. And I went in as kind of a, a, a I, I was the, the, for want of a better word, the assistant. I was there um, just to support um, and uh, help the woman that was delivering the course. They don't like to call us assistants. I don't like to say it like that. Um, we're colleagues. We're equals. Uh, we just have different jobs in the classroom. Problem was, I didn't realize that we had four classrooms in that one day. Now, let's go back a moment to thinking about, I've only got two or three good hours in me a day. I realize that I'm going to be here for the whole day. I realize that this is not going to be good. I am going to be struggling by the end of the day. But what I did is I just put my strategies in place. I tried to be mindful. I tried to do all the things that I needed to do. And it was hard. By the end of the day, I was supposed to write notes in a notebook. I couldn't. I just wrote two lines and then just said, I'm sorry, I have to go. I got home hugged my wife and kids, said hello to everybody, kept that energy up. And then I just turned to my wife and said, mate, I am, I'm done. She said, it's fine, let's sit down. You went out and bought dinner to bring it home for us so nobody has to cook. You are off duty. No more jobs. <laughs> the next day, the very next day, it's grocery shopping. Now, my wife works full time, so I try and ensure that all of the jobs that need to be done are always done. And one of the big ones is the grocery shopping. We've got four teenagers, three teenagers, feels like four. We've got three teenagers and all the food that we buy of a fortnight is always gone by the end of the fortnight. We're like on the Thursday payday morning, it's like, is there any milk so that we can have some wheat mix? Oh, and do we have wheat mix? Do we have sugar? It's just time to go out and shop again. That's the way teenagers go. They graze and graze until there's nothing there, and then they wonder why nothing's there. But then they're teenagers, so they just find something else to eat. And that just empties out your thing. But I've just had this massive day the day before. So I asked my daughter, I said, mate, I'm, I really need your help today with this shopping. Um, and we just went out and we got it done. And there's a lot of strategies that I put in place uh, to be mindful and just be in the moment and not to let it overwhelm me. But on a normal week, shopping is a full day activity for me. Getting up, getting prepared, go doing the shopping, 
um, getting home from the shopping, unpacking everything, perhaps putting something on for dinner, and then I'm done. I'm just exhausted. And when it first happened, when I was first injured, that was like a whole week after that. It would take me three or four days to get over that activity. My wife and I knew it. Again, I thought I was lazy. Gets to Friday night. My daughter says, I've got this Gamacon on Saturday. Now, if we were to have the same scenario three, four years ago, I could not have done it. Quite simply, I would have had to say, I have to abrogate myself from all responsibility here. I have to do nothing or it's going to be bad. So what did I do? I worked on all of my strategies the whole time I was there. And a wonderful thing is it's hard to be around crowds, but it's great to be a crowd around a crowd where everybody is happy and everybody's on the same side. And that was what Gamacon was. Everybody was in cosplay. My daughter was in cosplay. She was getting noticed by other people. She was getting photos. She'd take photos with people. When somebody bumped into you, they were so sorry. Oh, I'm really sorry. I didn't see you there. People in wheelchairs. The crowds would just part naturally. Nobody would have to say anything. It was just a wonderful, wonderful time. After a while, I had to get out. Said to my kids, how you doing? My son wanted to go out. Uh, he wasn't dressed up. He wasn't digging in as much as my daughter was. We just went outside and sat. Had a drink of water. Sat outside. No time limit on sitting outside. Must have been out there for maybe 45 minutes. And I went, you know what? I think I can go back in now. I went back in. Did the stuff. Came home. And I fell into my chair. I was able to talk to my wife. We were telling stories about the day. We were sharing the things that the kids had gotten themselves, a book that I had bought. We were about to go to bed that night. My wife turned to me and she said, do you know how remarkable you are? And of course, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> of course, in my mind, I'm like, remarkable, what? And she said, just think about the last three days for you and think about what that would have meant a couple of years ago. And, 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 and I'm not the best judge of that because my memory is faulty. And she just said, there is no way that you could have done these three days and still be able to hold a conversation with me. She said, I would have expected you to be on the couch, semi-coherent, just through exhaustion, I don't take illicit drugs, I don't drink alcohol, I would just sit on the couch and be absolutely incoherent, uncommunicative, and just sit in a stupor of exhaustion, wishing that I didn't have to take pills to go to sleep, because it's the only way I can sleep. I was in two minds when my wife told me this. The first one is gratitude. I'm grateful that she's happy about my progress. I'm grateful that she sees it as a success. And then I look at it dispassionately. I look at it from a behavioral point of view. And I went over it and I was like, you know what? 
If I was looking at somebody else, I would call that an amazing effort. So why don't I do that for myself? But what I've learned to do is just to acknowledge it and accept it and be glad about it. Now, Sunday, yesterday, <laughs> was a very different story. I was extremely wrecked. Uh, there was an opportunity for me to go and engage in an activity. And I did. I just had to say I can't do it. I've almost convinced myself that that was not laziness. I still want to call it lazy. I still want to go, why could you not have done that? Um, years ago, you could have done the school, the uh, shopping, the event, gone to the movies every night, gone to a party, gone to hang out with people, gone and played squash, and then Sunday morning you'd be up and you'd be ready to go to the markets or whatever. But I have to switch that off, and I've gotten good at it, and just going, you know what? My reality is different now. And what I did, comparatively for me, was superhuman. It would have been impossible. Three, four years ago, if you had told me I would have been able to do this, I would have said no. No, I don't like talking about hope because it eludes me. It's something that I can't have. So I hate hope. But I'm looking and I'm saying, you know what? This is different. I did feel different. I wasn't at the GammaCon freaking out because there's so many people there. I was able to just kind of zone out. Just be mindful. Watch your kids. Look how much they're enjoying it. Watch them enjoy it. Okay, let's find some stuff that you might want, something you might want to buy. Realizing that I have capacity to do this. You will always find ways when you have a mental illness to turn and twist everything you do into a negative. And here's the thing about hope. I don't have hope in the future. I have hope because of the last four days. I look at that and I go, you know what? That was, for me, superhuman. But I've come out the other side. I'm able to do the podcast today. Let's face it, a few years ago, I wouldn't be podcasting for like a week. <laughs> I would just be comatose on the couch. It, like I am exhausted. Let's, let's not split hairs. I am wrecked. And I am going to do the school thing again this week. Uh, another full day. And, I, and I'm uh, not <laughs> excited about that. Um, I'm kind of locked in and I'm prepared to make the sacrifice and my family understands, we've, we've talked about it. But I'm not going to see that as a negative. I'm choosing to see the hope in that situation and to say, you know what, a day is coming up and I know that I'm going to get through the whole thing and it's going to be okay. It's going to be hard. You're not going to like it. You're going to struggle. And at the end of it, you're going to be exhausted, but you're going to be able to do it. For me, that is where hope comes from. Hope comes from comparing what was to what is. The fact that I am able to look to this day, it's coming up this week, and I'm 100% confident I can do it. I'm 100% confident it's going to hurt and I'm going to struggle 
and I know that I was not born to be a teacher because being in a school with teenagers is a special kind of torture. <laughs> but I know that I'm going to be able to do it. I'm not a lazy person. I'm not. I know that I'm not. How do I know that? Because I'm still here. Because I'm still trying. I'm still wishing that I will be better than I have been. It's a silly kind of hope. But sometimes any hope, <laughs> however much of a stretch it seems to be, is better than no hope. I want to encourage you. Challenge your mindset. Don't accept the lies that your mind tells you, that you are lazy, that you are hopeless, that you are pathetic. Find ways that you can look at what you've done and what you're about to do and so that you can challenge that thought, so that you can see that thought for what it, the lie that it is. You're not lazy. Sometimes things are a little bit harder for you because you have a mental illness. And if you're somebody supporting somebody with a mental illness, you know what it's like. Find ways to lift them up. I mean, I'm so lucky in my wife. I mean, what wife would choose to let her husband know that she was proud of him because he did a half-assed job at a bunch of stuff? <laughs> she was proud that I did my best and I came out the other side and I was still able to be engaged and I was still able to be part of the family. I wasn't this blob on the couch that everybody had to kind of ignore. Find the victories where they are. Turn off the tap that tells you that everything you do is bad and hopeless and helpless. Here's a good one. I was glad to think about this stuff. Wasn't wasn't too excited about telling the story when I first started, but um, no, I'm really glad I did. I'm glad I did. Hope it gives you some hope. Hey, have a great week. We're going to try and do a marriage and mental illness later on. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Um, my book is available on Amazon, uh, and all of the podcasts are available on all of the socials, on your YouTubes, your Facebooks, your Instas, everything. You can find us no problem at all. Hey, have a great week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Shattered, the podcast. I'd like to thank our producer, Meredith Brosnan, our executive producer, Torian Lau, and the band Adelaide for allowing us to use their song as our theme. Go to shatteredthepodcast.com for more information.